0: I've been taking a look at this Kentucky basketball schedule this afternoon, and if all goes right for the Wildcats, they have an incredibly high ceiling this year. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Thank you so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, Please subscribe to the show if you're listening on podcast. Really appreciate everybody that's listening to the pod right now. So let's go ahead and get into it. The schedule has been officially released for the Kentucky Wildcats. They have released their SEC schedule, not just the opponents, but the actual dates that these teams are going to play. And so now that we combine that with the official non-con schedule... We've got the whole thing. So I want to run through this here today with you guys. Give my thoughts on where some of these games fall in the Southeastern Conference and give some perspective on what the ceiling is for the Kentucky Wildcats this upcoming year. As we've discussed previously, going to go through the non-con slate pretty quickly here. New Mexico State to open the season on November 6th. Then you have Texas A&M Commerce on the 10th before you take on Kansas and the United Center in Chicago. That is November 14th. November 17th is Stonehill, St. Joseph's on the 20th, Marshall on the 24th, and then Miami on the 28th. A really interesting stretch of games there. All four of those games at home after the Miami game, which is the ACC-SEC Challenge. You've got UMC, UNC Wilmington at home as well on December 2nd. A sneaky good basketball team pin on December 9th in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. That is also going to be a difficult matchup despite Penn losing their leading score from a season ago. UNC, oh man, this is a this is a loaded non-con schedule. North Carolina in the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, that is December 16th. And then to round out the non-con slate, you've got Louisville on the road on December 21st. And then, I'm sorry, the, the second to last game. And then your final game here in the non-con slate is Illinois State on the 29th. That is going to be at home for the wildcats gonzaga like we've mentioned is going to be on february 10th we're going to get to where that game falls here in just a little bit and i'm actually not that uh concerned about where it falls on the schedule the first sec game that kentucky will play this upcoming upcoming season is going to be on the road in gainesville florida is going to be the first opponent that the wildcats tackle down in the exotech arena I believe that's that's the name of the arena. Missouri on January 9th is going to be your home opener as it has consistently been for the past couple of seasons. Going to get that one in. Rupp, Dennis Gates. Missouri looking a little bit different this season. I believe they brought in Connor Vanover. They lost a couple of pieces from their, their transfer portal squad that they put together a season ago. Still going to be a good basketball team. And then on the road at Texas a and I think this is going to be the most difficult game of the first three here to start conference play In College Station at Texas A&M, a very experienced Aggie squad. This one's going to be difficult. It was difficult last year. It was difficult the year prior. I think the Wildcats are going to be in some dogfights, I think, early in this season. Florida also no slouch there. I want to give my my, uh, respect to the the Gators there. Uh, Mississippi State is your fourth game of the SEC slate on January 17th. It is a home game, January 20th, against Georgia, also in Rupp Arena, the 23rd. You are traveling to South Carolina. The 27th, you are on the road at Arkansas. Mississippi State going to be much improved, I think, offensively this upcoming season. Not quite sure what to make of Georgia other than the fact that they gave the Wildcats a run for their money at various points a season ago. Arkansas, as we all know, very talented program, bringing in five stars, a hodgepodge of transfer portal players, always makes a solid amalgamation of a team that runs well in the postseason. South Carolina, I I really don't know what to make of them with Gigi Jackson gone. I've not taken a hard look at their roster. Uh, I I think that that on the road is probably going to be your easiest road game outside of maybe trips to Vanderbilt and LSU uh, on this slate. But South Carolina is in between Georgia and Arkansas. I think that that's that's a manageable stretch. You get Florida and Tennessee at home January 31st, February 3rd, before traveling to Vanderbilt on the road February 6th. And then here it is, February 10th, Gonzaga. It falls between a road trip to Vanderbilt and a home game against Ole Miss, on the 13th. So you get a home game following the Gonzaga game against a team that's going to be taller, I think more physical and aggressive on the defensive end than Ole Miss teams have been in years past. Uh, This is, I don't think, as concerning as it could be. Thankfully, you didn't get an Alabama and Arkansas, Tennessee, or an Auburn here, or an A&M for that matter, following or before this Gonzaga game. I think I'm content with this. I think that I'm perfectly fine with where this is at. Auburn is actually on the road following that Ole Miss game. Then you're at LSU. The game after that, that is February 17th and February 21st. And then Alabama at home, February 24th, February 27th. You're on the road to Mississippi State. And then your final three games of the year are Arkansas, Vanderbilt, both in Rupp. And then you're traveling to the Vols in Knoxville, Tennessee to take on Rick Barnes and co. March 9th. I really like this SEC slate. I I don't think that there's a, a stretch here where I'm just like really melting down, worried about how the Wildcats could perform. I think that this truly is going to be dictated by how this team peaks and when they peak, if they peak, I believe that they will. I think that there's an opportunity for the Wildcats this season to have a significant uh, impact, uh, I think, in both the conference and in the postseason, if all goes right. I I don't think that there's, again, a a stretch here where I'm just incredibly concerned because whenever you see the different teams like the Texas A&M's, you've got Missouri and Mississippi State both at home sandwiched between it. When you're playing Arkansas, you've got South Carolina and Florida. Whenever you're playing a team like Auburn, Ole Miss and LSU between it. Gonzaga, again, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Whenever you play Bama, LSU and Mississippi State two teams that were either average to awful uh, last season in the case of the Tigers uh, a season ago. Arkansas at the end of the year, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Tennessee on the road is going to be really difficult to round out the year. That's a game that the Wildcats could easily lose. There's a lot of different games in this this slate. You could see Kentucky losing. Absolutely. They could really struggle this year because of of how good the league genuinely is. But I think that given the talent, if, again, if everything goes right, if everybody's healthy, if Big Z's able to come in and play, I think that this team has an incredibly high ceiling. I want to dive into some of the record projections that I may have for this team and then give you some thoughts as to maybe some of the details as to what really has to go right for Kentucky because I think that there's a lot that has to align for Kentucky to have an excellent record. I want to dive into that in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free All you have to do is add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. They've got simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. Small businesses absolutely love LinkedIn Jobs. They rate them number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. And you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That is linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. I really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Again, the podcast numbers have been excellent uh the the this past month or so i appreciate everybody hopping on uh, on the podcast feed if you're listening to this now and you have not subscribed to the show please go ahead and do so gonna have some great kentucky content and listen if you're watching on youtube this is a little bit easier for you to do because you can comment but locked on uk on twitter as well if you want to go hit me there if you've got any questions for the show that you want me to answer here thoughts about kentucky basketball football projections thoughts about individual players You can leave that, again, YouTube comments below or on the socials. I would be more than willing to tackle as many questions as you guys want to throw at me uh, in an episode. All right. Kentucky basketball schedule. We just went through it. It's been released. I think that it's going to be fun. The non-con slate is very difficult. I think that you are going to have various rough patches early in the season. Again, games like Kansas, Marshall, Miami, Penn, North Carolina. I think you've got some really tough games early that are going to... help us understand what this young Wildcat squad is about. It's not going to tell us who they are definitively going to become. I think you're going to find that out, I think, honestly, around the Gonzaga game. You're going to see from around there out to the end of the regular season what this team is capable of in the postseason. And we talked about this, I think, uh, a week or so ago whenever this non-con slate was officially put together. I think Kentucky, if they... Handle that game well against Gonzaga, I think it does speak to what they could be in March. I think that it does give you an indication of how this team could run in the postseason. But I don't want to sit here and, and talk about the postseason too much. I want to give you guys some thoughts about the some records maybe or what needs to go right for the Wildcats in the regular season, even before they get to that Gonzaga game. I think that the ceiling for the Wildcats this year is probably 28-3, and 27-4 in the regular season. I think that that's your ceiling. There are going to be a couple of games here, whether it be early in the non-con slate, and if you somehow survive that unscathed, you are going to have a couple of SEC games on the road trip you up. That is going to happen this upcoming season, and we're just going to have to accept that. At the very least, a couple of games. It could end up being closer to eight or nine. Kentucky could finish 500 in conference play. The league is that good this season, and with Kentucky being so young, they could have some problems. I think 27-4, and 28-3, That's the ceiling. What has to happen in order for Kentucky to reach that ceiling? Well, like I just mentioned, I think the young guys need to grow up pretty quickly. I think guys like DJ Wagner, who are going to solidify themselves as leaders in this locker room early, I think that they are going to have to grow up and they are going to have to lead this team early in the year. Games against Kansas, games against Miami, Marshall, Penn, North Carolina, even games like Louisville on the road you're going to have to see players like DJ Wagner step up. Antonio Reeves returning for this team after being an elite scorer a season ago. He looked great in the Global Jam. I need him to step up as more of a vocal leader this offseason, and I think he's doing that. If you have a backcourt like that with DJ Wagner and Antonio Reeves as kind of dogs, as some bucket getters and some confident guys, you are going to have success this season. Tyler Uless, Uless said it recently on the Sources to Say podcast about how he thinks this team is full of pure Hoopers, they've got them all up and down the roster. Justin Edwards, pure Hooper. DJ Wagner, pure Hooper. Rob Dillingham, pure Hooper. Guys that can go out there and make it happen whenever you need it to happen. This is a very talented roster, but also a lot of very young pieces. you got Onyenzo, I think, is where you also need to turn to next. I think that he's going to have a significant role with this team this upcoming season. As long as he is healthy, we'll get to injuries here in a second. But I truly do think that his defensive presence... With the way Kentucky has shown themselves to struggle uh, with rim protection over the past couple of seasons, I think that that is going to change. I think they're going to show uh, improve themselves to be a significantly better team in that department this year. It's not just Hugo, though. I think that his development and his strength that he's added on is going to help. I think it's guys like Aaron Bradshaw stepping up to the plate and also not just being an offensive threat. And I'm not sitting here telling you that that's how he's been scouted coming out of high school, and that's not he, what he projects to be with the Wildcats. He's going to be great on the defensive end as well. We just have not gotten the chance to see him play. If he had played in the Global Jam, I think we would we would have gotten to see that in spades. Trey Mitchell also needs to really step up here as far as his ability to versatilely spread the floor, if that's a word. Uh, I don't know if that is a word (laughs) that I just used there. Uh, You've got to have your front court really make an impact. And if Big Z's there, I think it ties it all together. It adds you one more player that can run, can dunk, can block shots, can shoot threes. Trey Mitchell and Zvonimir, if they were out on the court at the same time, I would be absolutely terrified to see what that rotation looks like. Of course, we've talked here before about the platoon and whether or not Kentucky could run that if Big Z comes. I mean, they could but they could also do some fun things like put out some very similar players in the front court to just make some matchup nightmares for the opposing team. So I think that young guys need to grow up quickly. I think that the the defense needs to be, especially around the rim, needs to step up. And I, I think that the final thing here that we need to look at for the Kentucky Wildcats and them getting to that 28-3 record, and this kind of ties into talking about the dog mentality, talking about the pure hoopers, talking about the defense Kentucky's got to be a little bit more clutch. They've got to close out games stronger than they did a season ago. The Wildcats didn't have shooters a season ago. They did Outside of Antonio Reeves, they did not have guys that could shoot the basketball consistently well. And it really did hurt them at times to not have guys in their backcourt that could finish the job. You see these games on the road, Florida, Florida, AM, South Carolina, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee. You have to have in those games, and you're not going to win them all, you have to have somebody in those games step up for you and be that outside shooter, that closer, if you will. Maybe it's not necessarily an outside shooter. Maybe it's somebody on the defensive end that's able to lock it down, get some rebounds. Could Justin Edwards be that guy? We'll have to wait and see. You need, closer, you need closure in these games. You need, whenever things are tight, for somebody to go out there and for the team to go out there and collectively put an end to it. We saw time and time again last season, Kentucky struggle, go back and forth, not be able to get enough shots to fall in the final few, a few minutes of the game, and they lost. Or, at the very least, they had the game tied, go to overtime, something like that. We got to see that against Michigan State early in the year where it was just a sign of things to come, Kentucky needs better second-half production. I think that that's what the Wildcats need this upcoming year. Better adjustments in the second half, better execution from your star players, better execution from the team. So to recap, young guys need to grow up quick. You need to have better rim protection, and you need some closers. You need to be able to close out games better this year. The road is going to be very difficult for the Wildcats to get to a 27-4, 28-3 type of year, but I believe they can do it. If everything comes together, I think Kentucky can be very special in the regular season. What are the most important games for Kentucky basketball in their non-con slate? Well, Andy Patton, writer for Wildcats Today, host of the Locked On College Basketball podcast, decided to rank Kentucky basketball's non con games one through 13, and we're going to go through them here on today's episode. The most important non con game. We've talked about this. I think I completely agree with this from Andy Patton. Kansas is the most important non con game of the slates. I think that you can make an argument for a couple of others, but I think the Jayhawks week one, or we, gosh, it should be the first couple of weeks of the season, game three. Uh, of the season, I think, is really important for UK. Andy Patton had to say this Kentucky will have a mega early season test in Chicago and may have to hail this one at less than full strength if either Aaron Bradshaw or Uganda and Yenza are still recovering from off season injuries. Kansas is likely to begin the season ranked number one in the AP poll after Bill self reloaded an already excellent roster during the off season. Jayhawks lost Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson to the NBA in a whopping seven players to the NCAA transfer portal, but they added the best player available in the entire off season, Former Michigan center Hunter Dickinson, uh, K- KJ McCuller and Nick Timberlake are here. Texas wing arterio Morris is, is coming in as well. Uh, Dejuan Harris probably one of the better point guards in the entire country. I think he's definitely top five. Kansas is going to be really good. It's going to be a really good non-con game to begin the season. Like you mentioned, UK maybe not at full strength. It's going to be a tough one, but I definitely think that the Wildcats can compete. A very important, I think, for Kentucky's resume based on what Kansas is probably going to do the, to the Big Twelve this season. This is where Patton has a really interesting change in his, in his rankings. Immediately right after this third or this uh, this Kansas game here, number two, December sixteenth, he's got North Carolina. As the second most important game for the Wildcats, this upcoming non-conference schedule, North Carolina and Gonzaga are either are the other two premier college basketball programs on Kentucky's schedule, Andy Patton says. But a neutral site against the Tar Heels in December is a tougher matchup than a true home game in February against the Bulldogs, even if the neutral site is in Atlanta. Caleb Love Love departing for Arizona is addition by subtraction for the heels as it allows R.J. Davis to handle point guard duties alongside Notre Dame transfer Cormac Ryan, who is actually a pretty good basketball player, and stud incoming freshman Elliot Cadeau. Armando Baycott is back in the front court and the addition of Harrison Ingram as a point forward should play very well for UNC. So they've got a really good starting five here, and I like this take from Andy I think that in terms of resume and in terms of overall team talent, I think Gonzaga maybe I would put them at number two, also because of the their revenge factor here. But I really like this ranking here from Patton as the second most important uh, game on Kentucky's non-con slate. You in see the Tar Heels, if you've got any thoughts on where you would put North Carolina in this ranking, leave that in the YouTube comments below. I'm curious to see from you guys, what do you think is the most important game or games of this uh, non-con schedule? Number 3 is Gonzaga. Like we talked about, the WCC using BYU to the Big 12 allows Gonzaga to schedule a non-conference opponent in the middle of their non-conference or the of their conference slate, and they do did so against Calipari, uh I believe, as they used to do against Calipari coach Memphis squads is what he says here. And they will hit the road to play at Rupp Arena as part of a six-year series these two programs agreed to do before last season. Mark Few and the Zags got the best of Kentucky last year in Can. But as the Wildcats won't have to deal with the monster in the middle, Drew Timmy, he and star wing Julian Strother are heading to the NBA. Gonzaga did add a trio of talented transfers, and this is what I want to get to here. Creighton point guard Ryan Nimhard, and at center, uh, Wyoming's Graham Ike. But after getting to play this team at home in February, when Calipari typically has his younger players in a rhythm, this is a big advantage for this team and could be enough to even this series at a win a piece. I agree with what Patton had to say. I, I like the players that uh, Gonzaga has brought in. I think that they're a very talented team more than anything. I have a lot of respect for what Mark Few likes to do offensively. I think that he, alongside Arizona, I think there are two of the better offenses in the entire country, at least the, uh, in terms of what I would like to run. Love it, love it, love it. And I, I really do think that this is going to be a tough test. And again, to go back to what I was saying earlier, in terms of resume boosting, sure, North Carolina may end up playing a tougher schedule than Gonzaga will in the WCC, but I think that Gonzaga is probably from top to bottom. I think that because of their coaching and because of their talented players, I think they're a better team than North Carolina. That's just my guess. Now, UNC will rebound this season. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that UNC is a bubble team this year, but I just have a lot of faith in what Gonzaga is going to do. And then the fourth game here, Miami. Miami. Jim Laranga's Hurricanes have been back-to-back Elite Eights for the first time in a pro- in program history, a testament to not only Coach L's recruiting and coaching acumen, but well-document cash flow from their NIL collective. Next year's Miami team will be without ACC Player of the Year, Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, two key guards from last year's squad. But this is what we were talking about on, an, uh, I believe, a few episodes ago about Miami. They get Nigel Pack back, who was a really good scorer, Wuga Poplar, who was very efficient for them off the bench, Norchad who They also added a player that a lot of different teams in the SEC wanted, uh, Matthew Cleveland from Florida State, a wing there. Calipari's freshman will have already played Kansas by this point, but this game will be another test before the SEC slate begins. This game's also at home uh, for the Wildcats, which I think may factor into this ranking from Patton. The fifth, fifth most important game on the slate is at Louisville. I think that this makes sense to put Louisville here. I think that there are a lot of other really interesting games on this non-con slate that you can dive into, but Louisville being a little bit better this season, I think you got to watch out, watch out for them. Uh, what, this is what Patton had to say about them losing Trenton flowers, who has left the program to play professionally in Australia stings for pain, but this is still a team expected to perform much better than they did in 2022, 23. And they'll no doubt bring everything they've got for the Wildcats in late December, Payne and his staff made solid additions this offseason, including USC wing Trey White and embattled Illinois point guard Sky Clark. I had no idea that Sky Clark had transferred to, to Illinois this offseason. Wow. Uh, Sky Clark via the transfer portal in the number six ranked recruiting class per 24-7 sports. Big man Dennis Evans and point guard Tyler Johnson. I am so sorry. I am in the process of pro- uh, going through the fact that Sky Sky Clark has moved on from Illinois and will now be playing uh will now be playing uh at uh at Louisville. Wow. How about that? 7 points last year, decent three-point shooter, really good shooter from 2. Um his field goal percentage overall not great, um, but a, a, which is weird considering he's is... A, anyway, point being Sky Clark with Louisville with the players that they've got. Trey White's a good player. Uh Dennis Evans is somebody that I've heard is a really solid player as well. Louisville's going to be improved. They're going to be improved. Absolutely. Absolutely, they will. All right. On November 6th, New, Mex- New Mexico State. This is the sixth most important non con game, according to Andy Patton. And this is what he says here. Part of the reason this game is ranked as high as it is despite last year's challenges, this is one of the most overhauled rosters in the country. The Aggies had 11 players in the portal, and playing them so early in the season creates a unique wrinkle for Calipari as they'll have a much harder time prepping a game plan against this squad. Uh, they brought in, let's see here, Sam Houston State, head coach Jason Hooten. They added a top 50 transfer portal class, headlined by Seton Hall guard Femi Ah uh, Odu- uh, Odu- oh, Man, I'm so bad pronouncing names. UCF wing Brandon Suggs, Wake Forest Center, Davion Bradford. Femi, I'll just say Odukele uh, because that makes them a... or. Um, maybe I'm saying I'm pacing it wrong it, maybe it's a Duke-Hale or a Duke-Hale. I don't know I'm stupid. November 7th is uh, November 20th of St Joseph's here. St Joe's was barely a top, barely a top 200 team on Kim We talked about them recently on the show. This shouldn't be a, a struggle for for UK, but they do uh, bring back Eric Reynolds the second who averaged almost 20 points per game, including almost everybody and their mother uh, from this roster. so it's going to be a little bit of a test here for St Joseph's. So that's the top seven. That's a top seven in terms of the most important games on Kentucky's non-con slate. I'm going to continue along here in just a second, get to some teams that I still think are, are going to be legitimate tests, I think, for this young Wildcat squad. Before we dive into that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season has begun. You can get ready for the rest of it with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a great, great deal. And now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That is FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. So we've got a few more non-con games to get to here, and the eighth most important game, according to Andy Patton, is against a team that I still think is going to be pretty good for the wild or for uh, against the Wildcats this season. Marshall is the number eight team on this non-con slate ranking. They were a top one hundred Kim Palm team last year. They went twenty four and eight and they had a lot of really good offensive players, and that's what Patton wants to note here. They were lo- they are lower on this list because both Tavion Kinsey and Andrew Taylor are gone. Kinsey graduated after scoring over 2,600 points for the Thundering Herd while uh, Taylor hit the, hit the portal. He transferred to Mississippi State. I hinted at that recently on an episode about how I said, I think Mississippi State's going to be a much-improved offensive team with their shooting. And I think Tolu Smith's going to be a great big man for them. So they're going to have a, a nice compliment, I think on offense with Taylor and Tol- or Tolu Smith. Uh, Taylor's a good basketball player. He's a great shooter. Kinsey was a great scorer, but th- those guys are both gone from Marshall. Also, Micah Logton uh, Handlo- uh, uh, is gone to Florida, uh, depleting what was an already experienced and talented team last year. A few decent mid-major portal additions don't replicate what Coach Dan uh, D'Antoni lost, and Kentucky shouldn't struggle with this team unless they are still full from Thanksgiving dinner. That's what Patton has to say here. I think they're a decently coached team. I I expect them to find guys that can score for them. I agree. I don't think that this is going to be as tough of a task as it would have been a season ago, but I still have a lot of faith in this Marshall squad. I, I, I don't think that there are a lot of numbers that really back that up. I just, I've got a gut feeling about it. Penn is underneath Marshall on this ranking. Let's see what Patton had to say about Penn. The Wildcats will play them in Philadelphia this season. A nice homecoming for many Kentucky stars, obviously. 17-13, and 13, uh, Penn was a season ago. They finished third in the Ivy League thanks to one player, Jordan Dingle. He averaged 23.4 points per game. That was second in the country behind Antoine Davis. Dingle is now with Coach Rick Patino at St. John's. Gosh, I would love to see Kentucky play St. John's in the postseason. And while the Quakers kept many other key players, they will have a hard time replicating last year's success without their star score. Kentucky should feel right at home in Philly, and this game falls at a nice time in the schedule for a well-rested Wildcats team to take care of business. I could not agree more with Andy Patton about this game. Solid team, good coaching, lost their star player, probably not as big of a test as, again, it would have been a season ago, there are a lot of teams on here on this slate that would have been really tough, uh, I think, for that Kentucky team. This Kentucky team, I think, is going to be okay against some of these guys. Another team that I have a lot of respect for, UNC Wilmington. They won 24 games last year, finished third in the CAA. They returned their three leading scorers who are all seniors, giving them plenty of experience and continuity. They also added a guy from New Mexico, KJ Jenkins, shot 43.6% from deep last year. This team does not have a lot of size, though. I don't really think that that. How do I say this? I, I think that it, it impacts the game. Obviously, Kentucky's going to probably dominate this game athletically. But whenever it comes to matching up with some of these smaller schools, it doesn't necessarily matter how big they are. We got to see that with Saint Peter's a couple of years ago. Don't get mad, but they were not. They were not big, and they also didn't shoot well. And UMC Wilmington, or UNC Wilmington, sure they may have a couple of players that can shoot really well, and that may be what gets gets them over the hump. It doesn't matter how tall they are though. You can make tough shots, and if you can do that, uh, you're you're gonna have a tough time if you're an opponent. So U N C Wilmington again, a team, another team that I just I really do think that they're uh, they're they're solid. I, I don't think they're they're a bad squad at all. I think they're solid. Illinois State, the Antonio Reeves Bowl. Not a whole lot else to say about what uh, what else this could be. Redbirds went 11 and 21 last year. Former Wisconsin guard Jordan Davis is here. Antonio Reeves is gonna be the guy that we're all focusing on in this matchup, though. That is the 11th most important game. Texas A&M Commerce, sandwiched between the season opener against NMSU and the big matchup against Kansas, is a date with the Lions of Texas A&M Commerce, a squad that finished outside the Kimpom Top 300 last year. This was not a good team, point blank. This will probably not be a good team for Kentucky to or against Kentucky. That's just how it's going to be. It doesn't matter how young the, the Wildcats are. If Kentucky struggles in this one, Houston, we have a problem. This will be a huge issue if Kentucky has, has an issue in this one. And the final game, this is a program that writer at Wildcats today, Andrew Stefaniak, told me uh, that he had no idea existed until we talked about him. Stonehill. Stonehill had their first season as a Division One program last year, and it went pretty okay. They finished 10-6 and six in conference play and they uh, that was tied for second in the NEC. They went 14-7 and overall, obviously struggled in their non-con slate. I mean, who wouldn't in their first year as a Division I team? Uh, they also posted the same conference record as FDU, who beat Purdue in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Kentucky fans won't likely have much to worry about against this Seahawks squad as they'll recover from their early test versus Kansas a few days prior. I agree, and this makes sense considering where it falls on the schedule. Also not a great team. Uh, last year, or not a great team last year and still transitioning, um, but impressive what Stonehill was able to do in their first year as a Division One program. Lots of respect. Lots of respect for the, for the Seahawks. Alright, if you've got any thoughts on Kentucky basketball an non-con slate, there it is. It's ranked there from 1 to 13. You can go check that article out at wildcasttoday.com. Any opinions, thoughts, questions, concerns, you can leave those in the YouTube YouTube comments below. And I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK, follow me on Twitter at LanceDawg underscore, and follow the show over on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Once more, questions, comments, concerns, leave them all below. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless.